Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to another edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. I hope you enjoy these as much as I enjoy putting them together, and I hope you're learning something. And this is probably one of the most important lessons you can ever learn, how to receive from God by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. It's just so very, very important. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse uh, chapter 2, rather, in verse 12. And this is from the International Standard Version. Uh, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, that we can understand the things that were freely given to us by God. And then 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, A person who isn't spiritual doesn't accept the things of God's Spirit for their nonsense to him. Now, it's important to know where we are. We're Numbers 13 is where we're studying, and we're doing this because the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that we can learn things from the natural wars that the children of Israel fought in the spiritual battles that we fight. We can take those lessons and learn how to apply them in our situation. Now, God had already promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants, this land of Canaan, for a 400-year stretch. Now, I know right offhand somebody says, you know what, I don't think it's fair for God to give somebody else's land to his people. Well, listen to this. There's a great body of knowledge that was held by the Jewish people, and it was a um, oral tradition that was passed down. It's not in the Scriptures, but it was a body of knowledge that they held for years and years and years. And after the flood of Noah, God made it very clear to the people of earth where He wanted each of them to live. And it's interesting to see how they did, for the most part, follow that. The sons of Japheth, and by the way, uh, the Bible does say that Japheth's tents would be enlarged, meaning he would have more population than any of the other sons of Noah, that he would be more populous than either Shem or Ham. Ham seemed to go to Africa, and his descendants are there. Uh, Shem's descendants were to live in the Middle East. That was their place, and then Japheth had uh, the rest of the world, pretty much. And so this is where they were supposed to be. Now, what you see is by the time Abraham came to the land of Canaan, it had already been taken by some of the descendants of Ham. They had moved in and had taken this land, and according to the traditions, uh, this was all set aside for the children of Shem. So really, they were not trespassing when they came. But even then, God was just in the way that he dealt with the people of Canaan. We'll read that here a little bit later on. Now, God had promised for 400 years to give this land to Abraham's descendants, and after being in Egypt in slavery from the time of Abraham till 400 years later, uh, they had finally grown in population enough to utilize the whole of the land of Canaan. Now think about it. Had they come in with just a few thousand people, there's no way they could have utilized the whole of the land. And just the simple vacuum they would have created by not being in all parts of the land would have invited other people to come in and squat and to take the land away. And so God waited for a time to bring them into the land because they would now have enough numbers to fill it all. And that's what he wanted. And then there was another thing going on during all of this. The Amorites were so wicked now, their iniquity was full, 
And God said, now it's time to drive them out. There was a period when Abraham was alive that God told him, he said, I can't give you this land now because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. They haven't come to the completion of their wickedness. And you can see this in studying um, the dealings that Abraham had with some of his neighbors. In fact, when uh, uh, Lot was taken captive by the kings of the east, you can see that Abraham had neighbors who are willing to go to war with him and to fight with him. These are pretty good people. And you can see that there were some God-fearing kings. Uh, Abimelech feared God. Uh, when Abraham lied to him about Sarah being his wife, he, he talks about sinning against the Lord. And you might have allowed me to sin against the Lord by taking your wife. So these people were fairly decent at the time. Not all of them were, but many of them were decent people. You could tell when, a, when Sarah died and Abraham dealt with the Hittites and he bought the cave of Machpelah to bury his, his dead. You can tell that uh, these are fairly decent people in the way they conducted business. And so what we have to understand is God is always fair and just. He's never unjust in his dealings. But the time came for the children of Israel to go in and take possession of the land. Now, Moses sent 12 spies into the land on a how-to mission, not a what-to mission. It was never at issue as to whether or not they could take the land. That was already settled. God says, I've given you this land. But they were to go see how they would take the land and how they would occupy it. They had to find out the nature of the land. And they came back and they said, the land is a land that flows with milk and honey, meaning that it's a land that has lots of grass for pasturing, so our cattle will make it here. We'll be able to have lots of milk because of uh, the grass, and it is a land that flows with honey. There will be lots of bees. Therefore, there'll be a lot of agriculture. Uh, bees and agriculture go together. It's interesting to note that when uh, Europeans begin to move westward across North America, uh, the Native Americans had a saying about their, uh, the, their, the, the bees that came before them. They called the honeybee the white man's fly because the honeybees didn't live out on the plains where uh, there was no agriculture. They came when there were flowering plants and things to pollinate. They moved westward with the agriculture. And, and so a land that flows with milk and honey is a land that has a lot of grass and a lot of farming. All right. So this is a how-to mission, not a what-to mission. Now, <clears throat> unfortunately, there were 10 of these 12 spies who were entirely natural men. And they based their observations totally and completely on what they had seen with their physical eyes. Now, we've learned that you cannot walk in faith if you receive all of your information from what you see, hear, smell, taste, and feel. You have to receive spiritually in order to have faith. So these spies came back and they told Moses, they said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And we know that they showed off the three different kinds of fruit. We know what those fruits mean. This was their destiny. Nevertheless, they said, the people who dwell in the land 
are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak was a giant. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb stepped up, and he quieted the people before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, Now they're going to run down the land. They've already talked about how insurmountable the people are, but now they're talking about the land. And they said, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And all the people whom we saw there are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we are like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And basically they're saying, we don't think we can beat them, uh, so they don't think we can beat them either. Now they had six different obstacles to point to, six different things. And here they are. Number one, the cities are very, very large. And so they described these, these cities that were uh, obviously populated with a lot of people. This was not a collection of tents. These were not Bedouins who lived in tents across the land. I'm sure there were some tent people there, but this was a land of walled cities. The cities are fortified. That's another thing that they pointed out. They are expecting war. They are ready for war. We saw giants there. That's number three. They, they noted how there were big people. Uh, number four, they said there are seven different tribes of people there. And now let's go back over them. There are the uh, Amalekites, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, uh, there are the Canaanites dwelling in two different places, and then there are the children of Anak. So we got seven different places where these people are living. Uh, they're spread out. They have covered the whole land. They're all over the place. Mountains, they're on the seacoast, they're along the Jordan River, uh, they're all over the land. And then they said, the land devours its inhabitants. Now, this is so very, very important. God never leads his children into an impossible fight. Never. Never. God does not lead us into an impossible fight. God was bringing them to a place where they could go about this step by step. This is the pattern of God's leading. It is so important. It is still true today. God always leads us on a step-by-step basis. Proverbs 16.9 says this, A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, there's an unfortunate saying we have in the body of Christ. It's so very unscriptural. You will not find it in the Bible. It is not there, but it is something we say all the time. And you need to quit saying it. We say we need to take a leap of faith. There is no thing in the Bible called a leap of faith. There is a step of faith, but there is not a leap of faith. 
Uh, it was the devil who tempted Jesus to leap off the pinnacle of the temple so that the angels could catch him. Now, this is a very important idea because you and I can walk away with this idea that somehow, some way, that any gain that we make in faith is a huge, impossible leap. And people say this all the time, God leads us to do the impossible. No, He doesn't. He doesn't lead us to do the impossible. If it's impossible, we can't do it. God leads us to do things on a step-by-step -step basis. Now, God works impossible miracles along the way, but He will never ask you to do anything but take a step. Now, these are the people who came through the Red Sea. What impossible thing did God have them do? Nothing. The impossible thing was done by God. The thing that God had them do was to step. They had to walk across. They didn't have to leap across. They didn't have to cover a hundred yards in a single bound. All they had to do was walk. God will never lead His children anywhere by leaps and bounds. It is not His way. Now here's the miraculous thing. After a period of time, we look back and we can see an amazing amount of ground taken. We can see a whole lot accomplished. Um, over the years, I've been led by God uh, to build church buildings and so forth. And I suppose I've built at least 100, maybe $120 million worth of structures over the years. And both a kid's camp, a retreat ranch, and then all of our church buildings at Church on the Move. And along the way, different houses that my wife and I've lived in. So we've built a lot of stuff. I'm a builder. I, I, I love that. It's something that I've enjoyed doing. I had to learn to do it, but I've enjoyed doing it. Here's the thing. I didn't do any of it all at once. We did it one step at a time. We didn't do five buildings at the same time. One at a time. You know, it's amazing what you can do when you're willing to do one thing at a time and you take that step and you finish it and, 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 and it's like walking up steps. What does a step do? Every step you take empowers you to take another step. If I brought you into my house and showed you the second floor and there's a place when you walk into our entryway, you can look up and you can see the second floor. And if I said to you, you've got to get from right here up there in a single leap, or you can't go up there. Well, you'd think that was ridiculous. But getting to our second floor is a very simple thing. You just have to take a series of steps. And that's how God leads. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Psalm 37. He doesn't bring us forward in these huge dynamic leaps. There is no such thing as a leap of faith. There is a step of faith. And I'm going to show you in the next episode how God set up the children of Israel for the most amazing steps of faith that they could ever have imagined. And through these steps, they were able to conquer the land of Canaan. Thank you so much for being with me in this podcast. And we're going to pick right back up tomorrow. I can hardly wait to get into the next one. It's going to be good. 